Today we're continuing our sermon series that we started just last Sunday called Down by the Riverside. And this month we're going to dedicate to looking at who we're called to be as Christians actively involved in the world. And Down by the Riverside is going to feature some challenging quotes from different individuals. Today we're going to be looking at some quotes from a friend of mine, a pastor named Mike Slaughter, who for years was the pastor of Ginghamsburg United Methodist Church. And now he is the pastor emeritus, and he's going to be our ship lecturer in the fall. And he's written a fantastic book that we'll be talking about in just a moment. I do want to say that during this time of... um, COVID-19, when we're more quarantined and we're not moving about as we normally move about, we've also been witnessing uh, some social unrest, haven't we? And, And many of us have found ourselves uncomfortable by that social unrest or energized by the social unrest. When when you talk to Christians, we're really all over the board when it comes to how we respond uh, to social justice and our need for social justice in, in our world, in our society, and especially here in the United States. And I want to say this morning that we as Christians should, um, should address this issue pretty naturally because in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're called to what I'm going to call God's kingdom justice, which is the way that we respond to others and their needs. When we look at the, um, the old spiritual down by the riverside, and we're featuring a different verse every week, and this week we're talking about going to put on my walking shoes or my traveling shoes down by the riverside. You know, this song uh, has us laying things down, like I'm going to lay down my sword and shield, and it has us putting things on, going to put on my traveling shoes down by uh, the riverside. Now, now that's a call to action, isn't it? If you're going to put on your traveling shoes, you're going to be going somewhere. And today we'll be examining our faith and life related to justice, God's kingdom justice. And I've got a question this morning to kind of center this message. Are we bold enough to examine a Christian's call to pray and to work for God's kingdom to come on earth and know that it means that we pray and work for God's kingdom justice. Now, friends, that's counterculture. That, that, that's calling us to a different realm of activity that's based on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his ministry and his call and his embracing of the justice of the Bible that he taught and lived. You know, as a Christian, it's difficult to separate social justice from the work of the kingdom of God, that we pray in the Lord's Prayer that will come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to center this morning on a couple of verses that, uh, that Andy read for us. We are so very blessed to have Andy Nelms and Melissa, their family with us uh, here at Lover's Lane. And uh, his preaching is just outstanding. I can't wait to hear him at 9 o'clock today. 
I, I want to remind us of that verse he read, the 34th verse of the 25th chapter of Matthew. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I mentioned to you earlier the Reverend, uh, the Dr. Reverend Michael Slaughter, um, the United Methodist pastor in Ohio who served the great Ginghamsburg Church for many years. The story of how that church grew from a, a little sleepy village church that dwindled when Mike got there because of his um, his passion for 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 God's justice, and, and then all of a sudden it started exploding until it became one of the largest churches in our denomination. He's written a book called "The Revolutionary Kingdom: Following the Rebel Jesus." He'll be bringing that book to us and messages about that book in October. Hopefully, uh, we know he'll bring them one way or the other, either in person or virtually. But I want to point to what Mike says in the book as he points to Mark's gospel about the kingdom of God. He said, Jesus said, now is the time, here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust the good news. And then Michael says a little bit more. Through five decades of ministry, 50 plus years, I've observed the heresy of privatized faith corrupt Jesus' gospel of the kingdom of God. When we privatize our faith, we cease to be salt and light in the world, no longer a part of the counterculture kingdom or an outpost of heaven demonstrating God's plan for restoration and resurrection, we reduce our faith to this. Jesus came, died, rose from the grave to get me to heaven. No. We don't pray to get into heaven. We pray to get the kingdom of heaven into earth. I love that. What, what a profound statement. What, what a different way of looking at things that, that, that we pray to get the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven into earth. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus came to save us for sure, but to also put us to work? to call us to put on our, our traveling shoes and to be about the, the good news of the gospel, which is about loving God and loving our neighbor in all that we do. It's kingdom work. It's God's kingdom work. God's justice work that we're called to. And in Matthew's gospel, we have it so succinctly stated in that 25th chapter, feeding the hungry giving water to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, caring for the sick, visiting the prisoner. And, and you know, that's just a, a beginning of all the things that we could put into that category of what it means to serve in the kingdom. Now, let's read what the Bible says about the particular brand of kingdom justice that we're called to. 
In Isaiah, the first chapter, the 17th verse, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And then in Zechariah, the 7th chapter, the ninth through the 10th verses, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. This is a higher call to a higher kingdom, to a higher form of justice than mere social justice. This is God's kingdom justice. And then that very popular justice text from Micah, the sixth chapter, the eighth verse. I think Sarah in her children's message this morning quoted this. He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Let's back up to the basics of our call in this kingdom as disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we United Methodist state, uh, our, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for a purpose, for the transformation of the world. We are making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Uh, that, that's, that's two very distinct things, isn't it? And, and we oftentimes as Christians center on making disciples as well we should. And we frequently toss around the word disciple in our churches. Uh, we can use it both as a verb or a noun. And, and we sometimes don't pause long enough to examine the powerful implications of, of what it means to make disciples. What does it make, mean to make disciples who are, are, are filled with the Holy Spirit and who are working toward transforming the world into one that reflects God's kingdom, where we live in God's kingdom justice? Again, Mike Slaughter in his book, The Revolutionary Kingdom, begins uh, by uh, stating that his staff went on a a three-day retreat where they looked at this one thing. What does it mean to make disciples for the transformation of the world? And and so I'm going to share with you three attributes that Michael and his staff came up with. And, And the first attribute of marking Uh, of God's justice-seeking kingdom, desiring disciple, is an undiluted devotion to Jesus Christ. We as disciples of Jesus Christ should have an undiluted devotion to Jesus Christ. We, We have his words, we have his teachings right here. And we know the Holy Spirit informs us and and moves us to, to, to put on our traveling shoes in the name of Jesus. Mike Slaughter goes on to say that we are called to that very kind of justice. 
far, far too long the Western church has venerated Jesus without making the costly commitment to follow him. The journey to the cross has been traded or for a, a theological uh, or, or a theology of easy believism. And we have succumbed to the temptation to remake Jesus in our own image, with our own values and commitments, instead of being transformed into His. You know, that's, that's so very powerful, and I'm telling you, it's challenging too, because sometimes when we, we, we try to make Jesus into our own image, we let our own politics and our own uh, opinions of others and our own hang-ups uh, inform who we follow. And we are called by Jesus to a higher understanding of God's kingdom justice. You know, every time I read this parable that we uh, are centered on this morning from the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, I'm taken by that adverb, when, when, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Or when did we see you thirsty? Or, Or when did we see you naked? Or when did we see you sick? And both those on, 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 on the right hand and those on the left hand are, are all asking the same question. When? And, and, and you know, that's important for us to address today. When do we see uh, the Christ in our midst? Uh, when do we see those that we're called to serve in, in, in Jesus' name? When do we see those that have been marginalized because all of these in this list have been marginalized? When do we see them? And the important question is how do we act? How do we put on our traveling shoes and move out into um, a world where we're called to transform it? Mother Teresa once said, I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can love only one person at a time. I can feed only one person at a time. So you begin with one. If I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. My whole work is only a drop in the ocean. But if I didn't put the drop in the ocean, the ocean would be one drop less. I can just see her smiling. That radiant smile that, 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 that lit up the room of this little bitty saint, Mother Teresa. You know, God's justice-seeking disciples. That's who we are, right? We are God's justice-seeking disciples, seeking a particular form of justice, God's kingdom justice. We need to find ways that we can put on our traveling shoes and move out and, and, and put God's justice into action. You know, the action may not be a solution to the health care crisis in America, but it may be transportation for an elderly person to the doctor. 
The action may not be a, a, a cure to cancer, but, but it may be a card uh, that we can offer, a prayer that we can offer, or, or maybe even taking a prayer shawl to one who is sick. The action may not be able to solve the drug problems of today, especially related to our teens. But we can reach out to some kid who's on the edge and be a friend. You know, it may not mean joining a protest, but it might mean being a part of a Zoom call today where we talk honestly and straightforwardly about how we can be about God's justice, the kingdom justice in our world. God's justice-seeking disciples are those who have eyes to see the needs of those who are hurting around us and commit to being God's healing balm in the world. And friends, that will bring about transformation. You know, when we talk about God's kingdom justice, it's not just a mental exercise. It's not just an academic pursuit. It's something we're all called to be around and to pursue, to be right in the midst of what God calls us to be about. You know, a God's justice-seeking, kingdom-of-God-desiring disciple as, as Michael Slaughter said, is, the, is a follower of the rebel Jesus also embraces a kingdom of God worldview. So, so secondly, Michael's staff came up with, with, with what it means to be a disciple. It means to embrace a kingdom of God worldview. Not a worldview that comes from, from some political party first. Not a worldview that comes from uh, some guru who's teaching the latest. It, it's a kingdom of God worldview that we're called to embrace. Because we're specifically making Christian disciples. And, and embracing a kingdom of God worldview is essential. Slaughter said, Many of us talk about Jesus, but view the world and the people in it through a cultural lens that prioritizes partisanship preference, national allegiance, ethnic identity, or economic privilege over Jesus' gospel. Wow. Wow. The gospel of Jesus is all about love. Are you going to put on your traveling shoes and love as Jesus called us to love? You know, in that upper room, Jesus raised the bar on love, didn't he? As he demonstrated that servant act of washing the disciples' feet, he, he said, love, not your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, love. As I have loved you. We were called to love in this kingdom of God as Jesus loved. We're called to work for a justice driven by love as Jesus loved. Love is an action verb. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was in prison and, and you 
visited me. As William Law put it, all religion is the spirit of love. All its gifts and graces are gifts and graces of love. It has no breath, no life, but the life of love itself. And of course, we remember the words of that Baptist preaching prophet who was shot to death in 1968 on a balcony in Memphis. But, but before he left this world, he left a taste of the kingdom of heaven in our hearts that still, these 50-plus years later, informs the way we see the world. King said, Returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In this pulpit, you can't see it, but it's right below this beautiful green banner. There is a stone. That stone, not unlike the stone that's in the baptismal font that came from the Jordan River, or the stone that's under our uh, altar that came from uh, Jerusalem, uh, the stone in this pulpit came from Corinth. And it's meant to depict the, the powerful preaching of Paul in Corinth. We, we have First and Second Corinthians, of course, but we have a, a third of the New Testament that Paul penned. And, and so we, we remember this morning, especially related to this action of love that we're called to, that, that, that Paul preaching in Corinth was preaching to a people in a cosmopolitan city who, who, who at times got confused mixing secular with, with that which is sacred. And there were even some who were, were filled with the, uh, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit who would um, lord it over those who maybe had lesser gifts in their opinion. It, and there was all kinds of conflict in, in Corinth that gave rise to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. That, that wonderful text that we sometimes call the love chapter. Eugene Peterson's version, the message, puts it this way. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything and trusts God always. That's why I'm calling us as a congregation 
to love one another radically. I hope that's what we're going to talk about tonight, what it means to love one another radically. And, and the questions of the last judgment that we read about this morning are, did I live my life for God? Did I work for God's kingdom justice while I was in the world? The final attribute that I want to raise this morning about what it really means to be a, a, a kingdom of God justice-seeking disciple is that God's justice-seeking kingdom of God desiring disciple of Christ is practicing a missional lifestyle. A missional lifestyle. What does it mean to, to, to live in life the very mission of Christ and, and for that to be our lifestyle? We are called practically and faithfully to live out the call of Jesus on our lives for the sake of the world God so loves. God's justice, the kingdom of God that we're called to pray for and to work for is God's calling us to move, to bring about justice for, for all people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have a role to play and a role that is different for everyone based on our gifts based on our graces, and based on that old spiritual uh, down by the riverside, going to put on my traveling shoes. I hope today we're studying, uh, not war, but what it means to put on our traveling shoes. You know, down by the riverside, this beloved spiritual was a slave work song which dates back to even prior to the Civil War. But, but it, 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 it came to mean something different in the midst of the Civil War. Going to study war no more. You know, th this song created an, an idea of abandoning pessimism and aggression and, and putting on a new spiritual clothing at the riverside before crossing it. You know, the, the, the river in, in the old spirituals, when you cross over Jordan, my mentor Bill Henson used to say, he's crossed over Jordan, which meant you've gone to heaven. But this spiritual is not about crossing over Jordan. It's about what it means to live this side of Jordan. It's about what it means to work for the kingdom in this world. It's about laying down our sword and shield Right here by the riverside, it's about putting on the long white robe for baptism down by the riverside. The river represents for us a time of reckoning, a time of decision, a time of evaluating what, what is worthy of our study. And, and, and we can't be caught up into things that are going to get better in the sweet by and by when we cross over Jordan. We, we've got to, to, to capture what the, the slaves meant in their singing about what it means to rise above pessimism and, and to embrace a, a hope down by the riverside.
You know, I've imagined this week that perhaps that song was sung in the cotton fields in hopes that that the slave owners would hear them and and would hear that call, going to study war no more. Don't you want to join us in studying war no more? Going to lay down my sword and shield. Aren't, Aren't you tired of fighting? Going to put on my traveling shoes. Wouldn't it be great that we could all travel together free? This old spiritual was a prayer. It was a dream about a mission, about a, a justice in the kingdom that, that, that's coming this side of the Jordan. I want to end my message today, hopefully with uh, an inspiration that's brought to you by way of a, a singer uh, from New Orleans named Grandpa Elliot. And Grandpa Elliot's uh, version of Down by the Riverside that is shared with others, as you'll see, has been viewed by more than 8 million people. It must resonate, don't you think? The song displays that all over the world, God's people hope for God's kingdom justice. As we put on our walking shoes, our traveling shoes, and and we step out and we're about what it means to be disciples in this world, working toward the transformation of it with an undiluted devotion to Jesus, embracing the kingdom of God worldview and practicing a missional lifestyle.